podcast where technical difficulties seem to be a recurring problem. I am your co-host, Kent, and with me is your other co-host, Jason, and sometimes I hate technology. <laughs> so this is take two of the podcast, because we found out 20 minutes in, Jason's audio was not coming through, and we had well, appar- really appar- dived into the floor plan of the yeah. hotel. <laughs> Apparently, um, was it... What I usually do is that I put in all of my webcams and my headphone plug. I plug them in first before I uh, start up the OBS program, which should, you know, register everything perfectly. But for whatever reason, OBS did not even register my headphones where my speaker is coming from. So, yeah. <laughs> So uh, just a quick recap, because we can't really duplicate necessarily our discussion from a little bit ago. We were talking about the hotel and kind of what we thought about it for the convention and the floor plan. And basically both of us agreed that it's a bigger, nicer location. Congestion wasn't as much of an issue here as it has been in the past with the Crown Plaza as the convention itself in terms of attendees has grown over the years. And then right before we realized uh, Jason's audio wasn't coming through, we were talking about, okay, what if we were in charge of floor planning and how we would go about maybe um, changing some of the layout of of the convention within this hotel. So that's kind of where... we were at, but uh, I don't know if you have anything to to add to that. Otherwise, I am ready to move on. Yeah. So, so before kind of dive in more into this, I just kind of want to reiterate, since the previous one is going to be deleted here as soon as after this show is over, that uh, if you're watching us on YouTube and haven't subscribed to us yet, make sure to hit that red uh, subscribe button as well as hit that notification bell for any. Uh, future notifications for whenever we come on uh, and not not just we're on uh, YouTube but we're also uh, streaming on Twitch as well and you can follow us on uh, any of the uh, social media websites through our uh, link tree uh, URL which should be uh, down below in the description of this uh, video and uh, we also have audio versions of our podcasts over at uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and as well as TuneIn. And uh, you can find all of our uh, episodes, both audio and um, video, and uh, read some of our blogs over at our own website at daikaijunetwork.com. So with that, um, probably uh, the one thing uh, – one final thing that I want to touch upon as far as the, the new location is that uh, I really like um, kind of that sort of the restaurant, but it's mainly the uh, kind of the breakfast buffet uh, and uh, salad bar area. I really like that. And then as well as the, uh, the red bar, it's really kind of that really nice uh, atmosphere to it. And I kind of, and I think it really uh, complements the hotel overall. I just really like the aesthetic. Yes, there's a lot of rooms compared to the Crown Plaza, where even the main hallway for for the dealers' room and then two main panel areas, it was just so congested and everything. So, with 
the main area of the convention is just much more wide open space for people to walk. The whole hotel basically yeah, is walk wide through open. And everything. So yeah, I I give uh, I definitely uh, give props to the new location. Yeah, I I think it's a great location, and and I would think anyways they would stay there unless for whatever reason attendance starts dropping enough to a point where maybe they go back to the Crown Plaza or somewhere else. I don't know, but well, and uh, speaking of uh, Crown Plaza, I did stay there the night before heading back, and just by looking at the current state of things, unfortunately, I you know during the pandemic, I think maybe about. One or two years ago, that uh, Chicago Fire Oven is no longer uh, in business there, and the same goes with the uh, the visibility bar. So that's you know a big bummer there, and just sort of everything overall. I'm not really look. I'm not really liking the direction the hotel is sort of uh, going. Yeah, well, they might fix that. We'll see. I, I definitely hope so because you know, with uh, some of the rooms and stuff, you know, when I was there, it just, you know, we've been going there for about close to ten years and starting to feel a little bit outdated in a way. So I hope that they get around to upgrading um, the rooms soon, or else things may not look good for it and i know that they done some painting because i think like the the hallways where the rooms you know are at in that tall main building area where the hotel uh, rooms are they got rid of most of the wallpaper in those hallways now it's just sort of painted kind of that teal tealish color like the rooms are now and Already, you can start seeing some of the paint peeling in some of the uh, like the rims of you know the hotel room doors and everything. So it just, yeah, I'm kind of not really liking things are going. You're talking about um, you know the way things are going, which reminds me the uh, one thing I forgot to mention in my deal about the hotel itself is that. They must not have the same sort of in-house audio video setup that the Crown Plaza had because the GFS in-house channel was having uh, quite a few issues with um, picture, color, and sound this year. So that is one drawback to the Hyatt at this moment in time is that for whatever reason, they just don't have the technology for their in-house programming to be broadcast effectively uh, because most of the pictures uh, were uh, blown up. The, the resolution was too too much. On top of that, nothing was in color that should have been in color, and the sound quality was pretty bad much of the mm-hmm. time. So hopefully Hyatt addresses that moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you would expect, you know, throughout the many years that they would, and probably with all the events or conventions that they have there, you know, from year to year, that you would think that they would at least have all the capabilities of doing things like that. 
Yeah, but how many conventions do an in-house channel broadcast, though, too? I know, but it's just... You know what I mean, but... Uh, anyways, uh, what's the next topic uh, that you want to touch I want to talk about my son Lincoln's experience here, because this was his first G-Fest convention. And so uh, I'm just going to read what I had written down here. Uh, my son had a wonderful time at the convention. Of course, like we figured, his favorite area was the dealer's room. He made out like a bandit at his first G-Fest. He enjoyed the film and model rooms as well. Like I had figured, most of the panels we attended were ones he wasn't interested in unless he had some toys to distract himself with. At seven years of age, Lincoln, I believe, still isn't quite old enough to really appreciate the panels. He thought the costume parade was really neat and spent some time at Menia's place making a tote bag. The in-house G-Fest channel was something he delighted in, but due to the Hyatt's limited tech capabilities, the quality of the channel was pretty rough. Everything was in black and white, resolution was off, and sound quality wasn't the best. And then hopefully Hyatt addresses that. Um, he was anxious to get home on Sunday as well. He and I left a day earlier uh, than we had over most of the recent uh, years due to my wife and I going to Detroit to attend a concert. I spoke to him uh, in the hotel room at one point and asked if he was okay with us sitting at least the next year's convention out and doing something at home over the course of the week uh, during next year's G-Fest. Again, there's, there's just some weird grammatical stuff this program didn't catch. I thought he would want to come back, but was surprised when he said he was perfectly fine with staying home next year and doing our own thing. Uh, con burnout and the incredible expenses this year, even though we could afford it, are some of the reasons why I'm sitting out uh, GFS for a while as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, Lincoln had uh, a really good time. Uh, but again, kind of like I, I figured, uh, the whole panel situation wasn't necessarily uh, – you know his cup of tea, and and yeah, uh, I I sort of thought thought about that too. That you know, just kind of sitting there and just listening without doing much, especially with how uh, kind of active he is. I would think that he probably would get bored. And well, and I was trying to sell him, you know, on the car ride over. I kept telling him, you know, what the panels are. I'm like, look. You know, most of them will have like a slideshow or something like that to go along with the panels. They try to show you some pictures either uh, of the movies themselves or some behind the scenes photos. And I said, some of these, when they talk about the movies themselves and how they're produced, they will show you pictures and they'll kind of tell you how it's made. And I said, this is to me, sometimes more interesting than watching the movies themselves because there's a lot of intricacies and sometimes there's some really fun stories to go along with the production of something like this. Mm -hmm. um, because, uh, like, for example, with Godzilla Raids again, how they were talking about the troubles they had taking down that Os Osaka castle and how they ended up having in the end to pull, you know, take some strings and like actually yank a section of it out just as the suit actors were colliding into that structure. So, um, you know, I really thought at least with those particular panels, he might be more interested in that, but yeah, I'm, <laughs> he really wasn't, but if he had a couple toys, uh, with him, uh, he was, 
uh, either sitting there in his chair playing with them or we were sitting in the back and he'd be off in a corner playing with them. So, but you know, like you were saying, regardless of whether or not we went, this was kind of your last chance of going to the convention for a while. So I kind of thought, well, better take them because I didn't see myself going at least for a while after you quit going. And I thought at least he's old enough to more or less understand kind of the, the general idea of what's taking place, even though he probably isn't going to buy into all of it. Uh, he's going to understand much of it. And like I said, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the film room was one of his favorites. He liked going through the art and model rooms as well. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, obviously the dealer's room was. Yeah. Was, uh, and yeah, and the one thing I want to touch upon with me uh, is that I mentioned about this being sort of the last uh, GFS to go to for whatever reason, uh, for whatever uh, amount of time. And sort of when we got back from uh, the convention, I was just sort of thinking about, you know, as far as how long I wanted to. Uh, maybe the next time I wanted to go. And with this being number 27, then I know that within a few so years is going to be number 30. And I kind of thought, do I want to maybe see if I want to go back to uh, number 30 in that uh, regard, just kind of see how things are, a couple of years or a few years after since the last one we've gone to. And I was like, maybe when it kind of gets closer to that point, maybe was it see this year is 2022. So then number 29 is going to be in 2024 here. So maybe, maybe around this time, a uh, couple of years from now, just maybe kind of revisit if I want to, still kind of uh, not go for the time being or maybe start thinking maybe go at least go back to uh, the 30th quote unquote 30th anniversary of uh, the convention so we'll kind of find out well since you're already talking about it I mean I might as well talk about you know when I may potentially head back as well because for sure we're, we're not going next year um you know i had written up a whole spiel here but i'm not even gonna go into that um right now but so i'm just gonna you know fly the seat of my pants here and and just see what happens here but oh that's why um, i usually do so (laughs) i know (laughs) i know you do um so I mean, obviously, a big reason why I'm not going to go back next year is because of you. I mean, this has been kind of our dig. And, you know, before the thought of even taking Lincoln uh, was brought about, I thought to myself, I don't want to, like, travel three and a half hours by myself to spend three days by myself at a convention. And so for me, it was out. And then now with Lincoln interested, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. But um, I didn't want to be doing all that uh, by myself. But with Lincoln, uh, he in- having enjoyed it, I thought to myself, well, 
unless he really is wanting to go back, uh, let's say within the next few years, then maybe, yes, we'll go. But otherwise, I kind of thought, just kind of wait for you, see if you're at a point whenever you're ready to go back and then do that. Otherwise, yeah, it was going to be kind of seeing how Lincoln felt as each year went by, you know, was, you know how, how was his interest um, in terms of wanting to go back. And, um, you know, I'm feeling that burnout, even though the funny thing is we had two years off from the convention and it was at a new location this year, I still felt burnt out by it. Well, and I think, and, you know, both you and I have talked about that burnout, but I think it was mainly due to kind of that, the whole road construction that we've gone through well, in some of the uh, busy lanes and on the interstate there. Because, like, I think if we would have gone there much earlier than we originally planned on to, I think we probably would have been a little bit better off with it but i no for me it has nothing to do with road construction i'm talking about burnout in the sense of just the convention itself that it is a lot of work to get there you know regardless of road construction uh even though the drive isn't that terrible at least from where i'm at um and Part of that burnout stems from the fact that, at least for those of us who have been going for a while, there isn't much in the way of anything new to mm. keep us veterans um, interested in. Well, and I know um, we've sort of mentioned about that, I think, for the last few or so years as far as really not much new is being um, – maybe being brought up as far as kind of make, right. making the convention at least a little bit more exciting, uh, kind of reinvigorated. Just different in bit. some way. Right, but, yeah. I mean, it's it's basically the same thing year after year with really no change except for this year. Again, the location was the biggest change. Mm-hmm. Um and there's another change that happened this year we'll get into here in a little bit, which is not a good change, and I'm hoping that this gets addressed before next year's convention. But um, it's just kind of the same thing because I've always stated on here, one of my favorite panels uh, to attend are the anniversary panels of certain movies that given year. And even then, I've noticed some of the hosts of those panels – really have cut back on the amount of content that they'll present. Uh, And they open it up for questions within the first 15, 20 minutes, and it becomes sort of a general audience discussion, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you go to these panels because you have a host or or a group of hosts that, in theory, are going to – talk about the film, talk about its history, talk about its production. And then, yeah, like maybe in the final 15, 20 minutes of the panel, you would open it up for questions, comments, etc. And that hasn't been the case over the last couple of years when some of these panels have taken place. And so I'm just kind of sitting there. I'm very disappointed because I'm going, I learned next to nothing here. And when we were first going, the first odd number of years we were going, those panels were incredible. It got to the point where the entire hour that the panel was scheduled for was all about 
the production and the release and sort of the legacy a particular film left. Mm-hmm. And since then, it's just kind of become this open-ended discussion, which again, maybe for some people that works, but for me, I'm like, I want to come into a panel like this to learn something. And yeah, sure, I'm not against opening it up for discussion, but maybe save that for the final 15, 20 minutes. Mm. But otherwise, let's start off and continue through the life cycle of how this thing was put together and released. And they're just... And like I said, and I thought about this while we were there, I thought it was so baffling because I thought to myself, okay, the last two years were canceled. I really thought I would be raring to go and ready for this thing. And it's like, it seems like, first of all, the last two years weren't canceled. It just seems like we moved from 2019 to 2022 without, you know, the the cancellations in between. Um it just felt weird on that level. It, it felt like we didn't skip a beat. And I just, mm-hmm. I, it's just burnout without something really new to keep us veterans, for lack of a better term, interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, are, are you going to finish and, up here? And there was just one other thing. There, there are a couple other things, and I'm not going to mention them now uh, because, um, I think this is going to the, – the things I would like to talk about would be better for a future discussion. But there are other things as well that are making me sort of blasé about returning as well. To give you a hint, I talked a little bit about this during our previous show a couple weeks back. Um, but there were just some things that were – done over the last couple of years, certain things that were said, certain things that were published and, and what have you that, um, not only rubbed me the wrong way, but made me realize that I thought the well being of the convention and the attendees was not the priority, um, as well. And, the way something else was handled, again, something we will talk about here during this episode, I thought was handled very poorly and I think could end up hurting the convention moving forward if it's not addressed uh, as well. So, Yeah, so I kind of want to touch upon panels since you've already sort of uh, dived into that. And the one thing I want to point out is that I think – for as long as we've gone to uh, G-Fest over the last eight or so amount of years, uh, but with this year being 10 years since we've started going, um, I think this is probably the convention we've gone to uh, where we've gone to the least amount of panels. That Part I of that for me was my son. No. <laughs> That and then I think sort of uh, over time when we kind of looked uh, more and more into the schedule uh, here, which I've got in my hand, I think probably the m- more we've looked at some of that, I think just felt like sort of uninterested. But I think I also the another reason that you sort of touched upon was sort of the, the whole burnout from over the years. Well, another than my son, who was not really all that intrigued by panels, and so I spent most of my time trying to find some sort of middle ground with him uh, with things to do. 
again too because my wife and I had a concert um Monday evening um I left earlier and like I had talked to you and like we had talked in the preview show that there were a handful of panels actually on on Sunday that I wanted to go to but that's the day we left so I couldn't mm-hmm. attend them well and even with me being there Sunday although that was sort of the day when Obviously, you left and we I didn't have any reservation at that hotel, so I was going to be staying the night over at uh, Crown Plaza on that day. So once I got over to Crown Plaza, for me, I sort of stuck around Crown Plaza for the rest of the day and went to Outlet Mall there that's uh, adjacent from theirs. And sort of when I came back, I briefly went back to uh, the Hyatt Regency there, kind of looked around briefly, and then maybe uh, went down to the film festival room, looked at a movie for a bit, and then maybe after a little bit, I just decided to go back to Crown Plaza, and that was sort sort of it for me, and I hardly went to any of the panels. Uh, that day myself so I think that was also kind of one of the reasons for me too is that you know going from one hotel to another uh, before heading back the next day and yeah (laughs) yeah but uh, yeah as far as some of the panels I mean I think they might have had some of these on hand you know from a couple of years ago obviously the anniversary ones that were uh, there and transported from 2019. I th- the way that you um, touched upon them here a little bit ago, I think they should have had quite a bit of time to kind of get some more material for some of them instead of just doing maybe 15 to 20 minutes and then having the rest of it being um, uh, questions and answers with the audience and everything. I think they should have had they definitely had plenty of time to come come up with any extra material that uh, uh, that they can touch upon for certain uh, subjects for many of the panels and everything. So I don't know what your thoughts are uh, besides the ones that you had. Uh, yeah, I mean, as terms of panels, I said what I said, and you touched a little bit extra upon things that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just overall, and you and I had talked about this over the years, just that, and I wrote about this, you know, a few years ago. I I don't know what can be done, uh, although I do have an idea, but I'm not going to mention it here, um, as far as what could help and in in sort of making the convention uh, a little bit more unique for those of us long timers Um, because otherwise it's the same thing year after year the only thing that may be different is some of the content of of the panels and even in like we said some of those just it's kind of it's it's like a well that's gone dry it's there's just there just isn't much there and it's just it's disappointing mm-hmm. um speaking of which i want to talk about the thing that upset me the most at this year's g-fest 
And what's that? <laughs> what upset me the most at G-Fest this year was the incredible lacking of face masks not being worn by attendees. I even noticed a number of people whom I know knew better not wearing their masks at times. With COVID on the rise as the convention was starting and the simple fact we were still in the middle of a pandemic, I found it utterly frustrating and was constantly irritated that anywhere from probably 70 to 80 percent or even more of the convention's attendees weren't wearing masks. This put our Japanese guests at risk as well as everyone else, including those of us who wore masks. This could be very harmful for some folks who have autoimmune disorders, and I certainly hope people don't become severely ill or worse coming out of G-Fest. As the days have worn on since G-Fest closure, some folks have come out and said they have tested positive for COVID. With so many people within close proximity, I am at a loss for words as to the lack of common sense and decency so many people had, not just for their own health, but for the health of their fellow fans as well. If it weren't for my son, I would have sat out this year's G-Fest, partly due to being worn out by the convention, but because we're still in the midst of a pandemic that hasn't subsided and as of now is not looking to go through, is, excuse me, looking to go through another wave of new infections for a while. My son and I were certain in a very small minority that wore masks during the convention. Thankfully, we didn't contract COVID. My hope is, and I don't believe the likelihood of this happening is great, but unless conditions are significantly improved by next July, I hope that the con institutes a face mask rule regardless of whether or not the state and hotel requires them. It is in the best interest of everyone's health that such rule be implemented. So that, to me, was the thing that really upset me the most at this year's convention. And I kind of knew going in this is something that was going to happen, but it still ticked me off to actually see it happen in real time over the course of the couple days we were there. So they, they need to do that. But again, uh, again, considering a, a particular person's uh, editorial uh, that we read while the, we were there, I don't think it's going to happen. So. Oh, well. Um, so one thing I want to touch upon is uh, the dealer's room uh, over at the convention. Uh, as far as the dealer's room uh, I think this time around, when you think about it, uh, when you're in there, it feels like it sort kind of has the same setup in a way with, you know, all the vendors around the walls. And then you got four different uh, rectangular sections in the middle, which was sort of the same thing uh, compared over at the Crown Plaza for uh, many years. Uh, but I think this time it's a little bit, well, obviously it's larger and I think they might have had a little bit more vendors, uh, this time around. Um, however, I think they could have probably expanded more, maybe kind of taken up the space where, uh, Dojo Studios was and they could have possibly moved Dojo Studios maybe elsewhere. Um, what are your kind of initial thoughts on uh, the dealer's room there? So let me just say this, uh, and then I want to quickly jump back to you if you have anything 
else uh, to say about it because part of what I want to say about the dealer's room bleeds into another topic that I want to talk about, and you will see why when we get to that. Um, but is there anything else you want to say about it before I go? Because once I start, I want to have it transition into this other topic that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I think probably one last thing I want to touch upon, because um, I know with the size of the dealer room, uh, yeah, I know when we uh, discuss about kind of the overall setup for the convention, that it's nice to kind of have you know both the dealer's room and the uh, main uh, panel areas kind of together, so to speak. But I think it would have been nice... You know, if there's any other kaiju-related uh, vendors out there that would like to try to uh, get to the convention one of these times, it would have been nice to kind of, you know, expand the dealer's room a bit more and sort of relocate uh, the uh, dojo studios to another place and then maybe use the other big ballroom for the two main panels there could pro probably do something like that in the future whenever the convention uh, gets bigger in that regard. So that's sort of one thing uh, to think about as far as uh, future sort of thing. And if there's any demand from other vendors that want to uh, attend the convention. So, um, I thought the dealer's room in terms of its size was very good size. Uh, obviously, the bigger the room, the more people you can put in there. So to some degree, because that's always arguably the most popular attraction at G-Fest every year, you're going to, by and large, always have a ton of people in there at almost every given hour that it's open. And the, the thing is, though, is that despite the fact that it's bigger, and as a result, more people are in there at any given moment. I felt like we were able to move about more freely than we could uh, at the Crown Plaza uh, dealer's room over the years. Um, that one in particular, if anyone who had gone to the Crown Plaza G-Fest over the years knows that it was hard to move about in that particular dealer's room, especially in this one section where you had a couple of dealers that were very popular because they had a huge stock of a variety of, of um, kaiju toys. Mm -hmm. was always a bottleneck. Yeah, and, and I just want to touch upon that. And I think one of them that you're referring to is radioactive toys. Yes. And – this year at the new location, they're basically right at the the entryway there at kind of one of the corners there, and it's still sort of that problem. It, However, it's not as bad though. Not as bad, but it's still it was still a bit hard to kind of get through because you had was it uh, Toy Matrix on one side where they were where they had quite a bit of people, especially with their section of uh, T-shirts right at the entryway, and then you had radioactive toys kind of adjacent from them. So it was still kind of 
Well, the thing is, is that if you remember the Crown Plaza setup, those two are always on opposite sides of each other. So mm-hmm. maybe what they need to do is like put one on the other end of the room and then that way. But I mean, I don't know whether or not those two vendors are in cahoots with talking to each I don't know, but mm-hmm. maybe they need to just move one to the other side of the room. But Anyways. by and large, um, I really thought it was good size. I thought I could move about more freely and, and the like. And um, yeah, but now here's where a certain uh, thing is going to start to blend into the next topic that I want to discuss here. Um, I thought it was interesting, however, that you had, I'm, and this is just a shot in the dark, like six or seven artists in the dealer's room with their own table. Now, within the past, as far as, at least as long as we had been going, Bob Eggleton always had a, a table in the in the uh, dealer's room. Mm. And I think it wasn't until the last couple of G-Fest that Matt Frank had uh, his own table in there as well. But this year you had, you know, an additional three, four or so other artists have a table there in the dealer's room. Now, some of you may know where I'm going with this. These artists are selling art of licensed characters. Now, for anyone who has not been paying attention since, was it maybe last fall, when the convention from the higher-ups gave this ridiculous um, order to artists that unless you are able to obtain a license – from Toho to sell art of their characters, you cannot come to the convention and sell your artwork. Hence, Artist Alley was absent this year. Mm-hmm. So now let me read my little spiel I have on Artist Alley and how this kind of goes in with uh, a little section of the dealer's room. Artist Alley was a notable absence this year. I noticed, too, that the number of model and art pieces on display in their respective rooms was down considerably this year. Whether or not the absence of Artist Alley had anything to do with fewer entrants is hard to tell, but I'm sure on a certain level it did affect some of the numbers. But with the new rule put in place by upper management for the convention this past year affecting Artist Alley, I must say there is one contradictory loophole of sorts. I found with the implementing of this rule upon the artists uh, – wow, I read that wrong because I wrote it right. I just read it wrong. <laughs> um, that contradiction being that artists such as Matt Frank, Bob Eggleton, and a handful of other artists had tables in the dealer's room selling their art some of which did contain licensed kaiju characters. How is it that the artists in the dealer's room were given the okay to sell such artwork while artists looking to be a part of Artist Alley couldn't? I don't blame the artists in the dealer's room. Rather, I am looking at the person or persons who established the rule of artists in Artist Alley to obtain a license by a studio that would do no such thing to begin with but gave the go-ahead to those in the dealer's room. Such decisions by the upper management have become more prevalent in recent GFES and are confusing and frustrating because of the allowing of some to forego those rules while a majority of others are required to follow such rules. Regardless, my hope is that the rule put in place for the artists of Artist Alley is struck down and the artists can return beginning next year. 
Sad thing is some artists I have noticed have expressed their desire to never return even if the rule is not implemented going ahead. As a result, the convention will suffer from the lack of beautiful talent these artists have created. To what extent the number of those who will not go back again is yet to be determined, and we may never know unless the rule isn't implemented next year and we see how Artist Alley is affected. I think the convention and attendees are a little worse off not uh, having these artists and um, wow, I just skipped down a page and I lost my not having uh, these artists and those of us who have been attending for a while notice their absence. I believe irreparable damage has been done between the relationship of the convention and many of the artists. That is true because I have noticed some of them whom I'm friends with on social media have really not been pleased. This is saddening because this was easily preventable and there has been more growing frustration between many longtime attendees and what the upper tier management of the con have done with regards to rules and other issues pertaining to the convention itself. So uh, there's my point moving in. There's this strange stuff, and some of the artists who did not attend this year had friends who did, and yet made this report back to them and even showed them other contradictory rules that some people and the convention knew we're breaking. Some of these individuals have had tables at the convention for years, even for as long as you and I have been going. But yet the convention is okay with those individuals doing what they're doing. And I think you have an idea of who I may be talking about. And I just find it baffling. And, and again, this is one of my frustrations with the convention itself because I am feeling that frustration um, from other people because it's as, it's as if there are two cliques of people. And it's just like, okay, if you're in with us, you're okay. <laughs> It's kind of like, hey, you're part of the popular group. Therefore, you're okay. You guys over here, nah, yeah, you know, and that's what I is think- frustrating me. And that's what's very irritating to a lot of these artists and other people who aren't even artists, but who are friends with those artists. And I think kind of basically just to sum it up, it's just those who have connections basically is what it boils down to mainly are you a popular kid more or less popular kid and look or i'm not blaming in matt with frank the crowd Bob, yeah. i'm not blaming matt frank bob eggleton or any of those other artists who had a table in the dealer's room okay i'm blaming the convention because they brought down this really silly rule that they knew Toho was not even – because we know how stringent Toho is and how very mm. protective they are of, of their licensed characters. Yeah. Okay. We have heard people talk about how Toho threatened to sue them because they posted YouTube clips of various Godzilla movies, for example, as a tribute to either the character or a particular movie, right? Mm-hmm. And people weren't making money off of these things. It was just their own little celebratory videos that they made. And and I don't know the origins of this or how it came up, but I know once it came down, oh my gosh, like 
the outrage was just something else. And I don't blame them because Artist Alley had been going on for, for a very long time. We can remember. And now all of a sudden, someone decided, well, you need a license to sell them. But then when you get to the actual convention and you see a handful of these artists who part of their work is creating art of these licensed characters and yet are selling art of these licensed characters. So how did they get through? And yet you have, was it almost a hundred other artists who have been going in recent years who have been going there, selling their art and what have you. Mm -hmm. They're excluded. They're told no, unless you get a license from a company that definitely will say no, but on top of that, won't even get back to you anyways. Mm -hmm. Because we all know how Toho sort of treats their fans. Mm -hmm. And it's not very good. So, like... This is a problem. And again, it it goes to one particular individual and it just it's beyond frustrating and I think what's happened with some of the rules that have been brought down in recent years. Not only do I think it's hurt the convention because not only have some of the artists said that even if the rule goes away, they're never coming back. There have been just regular attendees, people like you and I, who have even said, I am not going anymore because of what they have done and what they have said and what they have written and just some of the things that they have done to sort of not just hurt the convention, but just to hurt the experience of attendees. Mm-hmm. And we are seeing gradually more and more kaiju conventions each year popping up across the country, one of which is going to be held in September down in Minneapolis. Not, I mean, not, not Minneapolis, Minneapolis Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Um, and um, a lot of people are saying, I'm going to go to some of those other shows. Yeah, right now they may not have the numbers that G-Fest has, but they don't have some of these ridiculous rules where they're going to either prevent me from going or they're not going to come after me for something and I or know I've... implement a rule and then kind of sort of not implement it for some, but then implement it for most of the others. So Yeah, and I, and I sort of thought you know, when I saw about – Attack of the Monsters, and then is uh, the convention that's being held in Indianapolis, and then there's that uh, Monster Palooza, where I know some of the occasional uh, guests from Japan that's worked on some of these movies will attend some of those too. And then I think there's that is uh, it the Pensacola convention down in Florida. There, I know there's been there's been some times where I've sort of thought about one of these days going to one of them and I probably would like to maybe check out that uh, was it attack all monsters or all monsters attack uh, 
the name of that convention in uh, Monsters Attack something or other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of these days I would like to at least check that one out. You're talking about the one in Indianapolis? Yeah. I'm I mean if 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 uh my kids were younger and weren't in school I probably would check it out cuz it's like was it September 12th or something like it's you know it's basically when school is on so I mm-hmm. can't go but yeah I mean I I think maybe when we're done here I might see if they got a website and just kind of get an idea of what they're about but yeah they do I know yeah. they have a Facebook page I'm not sure what the main uh, company that kind of runs because right I now. know because I know it's sort of a an offshoot of that uh, the main convention that's being held there in Indianapolis every year. Okay, so it is all monsters attack. Uh, it says Days of the Dead starting the September 9th, running through September eleventh. Uh, let's see here, all monsters attack expo Facebook. So I guess this is sort of a general sci-fi thing anyways because they're also advertising Power Rangers and Star Wars. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Three-day celebrating monsters, big and small, Gamera, Ultraman, many more. Uh, We sold sold out our room block at the Marriott, just added a few more. So it seems like, I mean, I don't know how big this Marriott is. But um, what's what's the uh, what's the name of the Marriott here? Uh, they just said the Marriott. <laughs> I mean, oh, just check it, just check Indianapolis Marriott or something like that. Maybe you'll find it. But um, yeah, I, I mean, so f- I mean, at least at the moment, it seems like this thing is going to do pretty well. But then again, you know, how big is this Marriott and how big is this convention center that? Um, they're in, but yeah, I'm not seeing a website of theirs. Oh, wait a minute. No, days of the dead.com. Never mind. I see it here. See, there's both J, uh, W Marriott, uh, Indianapolis, Marriott downtown. Wait a minute. It says here, they're also going to be in Indianapolis. Oh, that's for next year. So they're going to be in Chicago in November from the 18th through the 20th too. Hmm. And then they'll be in Indianapolis in mid June, mid late June. So they're going to be at several locations next year. Yeah, because yeah, from what I'm seeing here, they've got at least some of the offshoot Marriott brands, and then uh, JW, and then Marriott Downtown, and it's just at least adjacent from the Lucas Oil Stadium there. So um, it would have been nice if they would have uh, kind of describe which Marriott specifically but that's 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 another issue but it says um, Indianapolis Marriott East um, so they got a YouTube channel one of their special guests is Bin Furuya another one is Notokuni uh, Nakagawa Linda I, Miller is another guest another guest I know, Hurricane Ryu I know Akira Takarada was supposed to go there which unfortunately he passed away a few months ago. Yeah, and Sutomu Kitagawa uh, is supposed to be there too. Uh, Wataru Fukuda, uh, Ayoko Fujitani, Steven Seagal's daughter. Bob Eggleton's going to be there. <laughs> um, uh, Chris Bartlett. I mean, they got a ton of guests here. 
So yeah, I would I would say overall one of these days I would at least like to check that out. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I'm starting to get sold on this. <laughs> uh, yeah, because with the gas, I'm being sold. I'll just have to do a little bit further digging on this when we get done here. But yeah, I just um, there's there's just been a lot of screwing around, um, and I, it's hurting the convention quite honestly. And that saddens me because it seemed like everything was running well and smoothly. And then it's, they, you know, started not following the rule of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, they decided, well, it ain't broke, so I will fix it. So, <laughs> um, it's just frustrating. And I just, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I have a few rough ideas, but they're just theories. And um, it's, it's disappointing to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else you uh, want to touch upon? Uh, for me, I've I, I kind of want to show some of the things that uh, uh, kind of my own haul, which I know uh, you won't be doing that here. But I'm not going to do that. Gonna, I'm not digging stuff out. Just kind of show some of the things that I got from there, but. Uh, uh, before that, I mean, I got nothing else. I mean, if you want to show your stuff, hey, that's fine. Uh, otherwise, I thought we could move into final thoughts and close out the show. Okay. Well, um, some of the, uh, well, I basically got most of the things here that uh, I bought from the convention. And by the way, I think uh, this is sort of Kent's own fault. <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> about? Uh, the whole shirts uh, thing, and I think this is probably the... Heaven forbid you show your kaiju <laughs> pride. Are you embarrassed? Uh, well, I don't usually try not to buy a whole lot of shirts, but out of all of the years that we've been going to GFS, this is the uh, convention where I bought a handful of them. And I think the total amount that I tallied up in total was that I bought 13 <laughs> shirts overall. <laughs> so with that, um, kind of want to start off uh, with this one here. I think this one was pretty cool in a way. This uh, uh, Godzilla where it says King of the Monsters is pretty colorful. I do like that one, and I've seen different designs of it at the convention. There was that one, and then there was one with like the 72 Godzilla, I want to say. By the way, which I do have, and I bought that from the uh, was it the Acme uh, vendor there. So that's that's going to be coming the one up. from Sioux City. Yeah, it was yeah. the Acme shirts or whatever. It was uh, Acme comics, comics and games. Oh, and this next one, I think this was kind of a popular shirt. Here it was kind of a purple, kind of a teal. <laughs> Excuse me. Knock it off. Had one coming up there. And, uh, some pink and then some salmon color there. And it's got, obviously, Gojira on it. And then Godzilla, the Heisei version with maybe some other uh, animals there with birds and everything. That that one's uh, pretty cool looking. And I've seen quite a few people wearing it. So I thought I was like, you know what? I'm going to get this one. So there's that. And then this next one... 
this uh, next one here. I think this is might have been this might have been a new one. I it was. From, I've never seen it at a previous from uh, Arvark Tees. It's the I wore that a week ago. The Reptilicus one, and it's like since I already have the um, the Gorgo T-shirt from a few years ago, it's like why not complement it with the uh, the Reptilicus. I also got there. the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. That was cool. Terrible movie, Reptilicus, but yeah. uh, fun but, shirt. <laughs> yeah, I do really like the design and everything. I, I like how it turned out for that one there. Although Reptilicus is one of those where if, you, if you're in the mood for down and a few alcoholic beverages, it becomes a good time. Yeah. And the next one here is what you just mentioned about from the very first shirt that I showed. Yes, that one, one here. Kind of close to close or similar to the same one, maybe minus some of the colors there, but still sort of the same thing. But you know, you got crushing it since '54 there, but really colorful. I really like the design. See, I wish I would have bought out. those two shirts. Now <laughs> they might, they they'll probably still have them around for years to come. And then this uh, next one, I think I might have seen this before, but. Uh, they didn't have the right size, but this year, I made sure that I get this one. Oh yeah, the, uh, yeah. I wish Kamen I would have grabbed that one too. I thought you did. I don't think I did. I bought the uh, kaiju playing cards. I bought Lincoln that Gamera uh, turtle one. I could have sworn that I saw you had this one. That you. I doubt it. There. Let me double check here. But yeah, I really like. The shirt, like, if you see it in person up close, I'm not sure if the camera here would do it justice, but um, maybe. But it's got some uh, uh, glitter to it, both the the green and the red, and I th yeah, and some of the uh, the gray or silver color on there, and it's got a really nice touch or feel to it. So I really like. Uh, that uh, particular uh, T-shirt. So the uh, the original Common Rider uh, helmet there. Um, I'm gonna sort of wait until Kent gets back here. I mean, it shouldn't <laughs> really take him that long just to try to uh, find if he didn't have that. <laughs> Or not. That's a no-go, partner. I thought you did. Uh-uh. I well, was looking at it. Anyways, uh, the next shirt here is sort of kind of the the same uh, printing material as the Common Rider one. And I know I've sort of been looking at it for over the years, but never bid on it until now. And it's the, the Jet Jaguar uh, helmet one, almost like the Common Rider one, where it's kind of face front, but I really like the design. Also, this one kind of has that glitter uh, sort of material, but I know the camera really can't do much justice to it uh, there, so there's that. And then one of the shirts I really liked when I saw it uh, from a different vendor is this uh, Daimajin. Yeah, I shirt. got that one and wore that yesterday. Yeah, and I 
when I first saw this, it's like, oh man, that just looks really cool. Just how it's sort of almost monocolored, but except for the titling, the main titling of the movie, uh, right here. It's basically the poster of the first uh, Daimajin movie, uh, and I know that they had a few other ones, but this one really stood out to me the most there. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta at least have this one. Here, so, so the Acme uh, comics, they don't have a, they have a website, but they don't sell mm. stuff off of it. But Aardvark Tees will sell stuff so yeah, I can get the common writer off their site. Yeah. And the next one kind of also complement both the Gorgo and the Reptiligus shirt is the beast from 20,000 fathoms welcome to the party it's been like four or five years <laughs> uh yeah and same again it's like uh didn't really quite bite on them yet until this year is like i kind of want to get some uh, a movie we have shirts. yet to discuss and we need to because that's yeah, very it's... important in terms of the creation of the godzilla character well it's been a it's been a long time for me since I've last seen the movie, but I really liked the design of this one. Really liked how they uh, did this uh, sort of thing for that one. So there's that. And then I know a few years ago you bought this, and I was wanting to get this, but they didn't have the size. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> one of my the favorites. YVP, the Yungari uh, versus uh, Polgassery. <laughs> Uh, the, Using uh, the lettering the of alien off. versus pe- uh, <laughs> predator. <laughs> predator. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really, I really like this one. Even a few years ago, when I saw, it, I was like, "Oh man, I want to get this," but unfortunately, they just didn't have that size that yeah well, it was there. either i think i want to say it was 18 that they first had it out and um uh i bought it because anybody who listens to this podcast knows how much of a guilty pleasure i find that 67 younger movie and i saw that and i said <laughs> i have to have it because this is i mean not only does it have younger on it it's got polgasari on it and it's using the font from Alien versus Predators. So, yeah, like, I had to, I had to get it. Yeah, just with our guilty pleasures of, you know, both Yangari and sometimes with me Polgasari. Yeah, Polgasari me is but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, nonetheless, I really like the shirt and finally got my hands <laughs> on it in the right size. And so that this, what size is that? Like triple X? No, medium. <laughs> Numb nuts. Um, so this shirt, I got it on the day right after you guys left, and I saw this. And fortunately, they had the right size. And this one right here, the legendary uh, logo shirt. You could have gotten that off of the Amazon shop too. But this one, uh, I mean, I just wanted it. <laughs> well, I didn't realize that they even uh, sold shirts. Up to oh, yeah. Point. like I've shown you the their Godzilla vs. Kong uh, store. They got a Pacific Rim one. They got Dune. Like all their m- recent movies and movie franchises, they got a store for them on there. But, uh, yeah, I saw this, and then they had uh, the medium. There's like. 
uh, yeah, I definitely want it. And it's pretty cool that they kind of have a little tag right on the sleeve there of their logo uh, as well. So there's that. And then this next one, I will. I kind of want to get some more. Uh, and this is the last one. Uh, I kind of want to get some more movie poster shirts. And so this one here, oh, yeah. and I know that Kent has. So you finally didn't got get it. that. No, nope. I thought you did. Nope. <laughs> I love the movie poster shirts too. I the I have a, a fair amount of those, but um, yeah, and, I'll, and I think they didn't have a whole lot of um, movie poster shirts this year. But I also got this one over at I think I think it was over at the the Toy Matrix. Um, Celebrating its fiftieth anniversary, that movie is this year. Yep, it's the the Godzilla vs. Gigant uh, poster uh, T-shirt, and I think uh, Acme was uh, selling this one uh, as well. But... <laughs> it's Acme. I mean, every time I think that, I think of Looney Tunes and Wiley e. Coyote. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, this year they uh, the vendors didn't really have a whole lot of those uh, poster shirts. So with that, that's basically all the shirts that i've got and this next one i brought uh <laughs> got from the uh toy matrix uh, vendor is that i finally got around to buying the godzilla hat where uh yeah. basically has the the logo and the title there but then the bill is kind of ha- uh has that uh uh skin Scaly. The scaly skin, and then underneath it has the 1985 Godzilla there, uh, one of my mm-hmm. all-time favorites. Well, my favorite Godzilla movie of the franchise and one of my actual all-time favorite movies uh, there. And then, the American or the uh, Japanese edit? I'll have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> and then, okay, well, I expect an answer in five minutes. And then this uh, next one here is um, this oh, yeah. one right here of the uh, the Common Rider figures, uh, based on one of the, I think uh, one of the most recent Common Riders. It's a uh, Common Rider Z Zero or Z O. Uh, however you go about it, it's kind of the logo so. right there. Uh, so this one really caught my eye and since we don't we, we haven't really touched upon Kamen Rider a whole lot besides uh, vaguely mentioning about it in uh, previous episodes however so. there may be some more Kamen Rider in the future <laughs> yeah and uh, speaking of mentioning some more Kamen Rider if I can get to it here here we go is that uh, finally got around to purchasing some of the original Kamen Rider. <laughs> so Me there's a part one and then part two as well. As, so it's like, you didn't take you know the what? price tags off. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, besides the point, uh, I was like this year, I kind of wanted to uh, start looking into Common uh, Rider here since I know we've mentioned about doing it. So it's like, why not? try to get some of that stuff this year so basically we're going to be one of these times we're going to be starting out with the very first uh it could even be sooner than you think 
Yeah. So there's that. And then uh, <laughs> your sort of favorite, and it was a bit of a controversy between the two of us, was this one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so a little bit of a behind story on this one is that uh, I first uh, stumbled upon it, and we were sort of uh, giddy on a, both uh, Ken and I. Uh, it's the uh, Super Robot um, Mock Baron. It's the sequel to the uh, Super Rib Baron uh, TV show that we've um, discussed um, several years ago. And, we didn't go through uh, the series, though. But uh, we've mentioned it, but we've never gone through the series. No, besides the point. Uh, I decided to get it, and then Kent who follows. But then we, uh, Kent, sort of found out on the back where he was reading it more. He's like, "Uh oh, <laughs> I think we we made a boo boo <laughs> here, <laughs> made an oopsie." <laughs> that uh, apparently, from what I said on the back, is that. The series is complete in Japanese with no mention of subtitles anywhere to be found. That is and true. Because. So, uh, kind, of, kind of make your point. Or okay, so first and foremost, it. when I got back, I slipped mine in because I was curious. I'm like, eh, usually they say there are subtitles if indeed there are subtitles. So I thought, I'm going to check it out anyway. Well, I put it in. And what ends up coming up first is actually Super Robot Red Baron, which uh, if you are not familiar with this character in the series, Super Robot Baron is the first one. It's not Super Mach Baron. So it was part one on the disc. So I contacted the individual – and I asked him, I said, uh, it's actually Super Robot Baron. It's not Mach Baron. And so the guy uh, said, well, I can you know, ship it out to you, the, the actual Mach Baron. So when he got back from the convention, he uh, you know, put it all together. He was sending me updates uh, through email with pictures and everything, including the shipping package. And so then here – what was it Wednesday or something like that I got this in the mail and I thought I'm going to test it out and part of me it was just wishing upon a star (laughs) but at the same time I'm like this probably isn't going to go the way that I want it to so I put it in and yeah no subtitles however it is a gorgeous presentation of Hmm. Super Robot Mach Baron so sadly um, even the more motivation for me to start learning Japanese so I can understand what the heck is going on in this show because there are no subtitles whatsoever. Uh, and so, uh, but again, it's a wonderful presentation. Jason, you may want to like pop it in and yeah. um, yeah, see what the presentation s- is like. Well, uh, I was gr- a- going to say that uh, with your sort of mistake. I was thinking to myself, maybe I should double check if mine has the right one or if it turned out the same as Kent's. If it turned out the same as Kent's, then it's like, I may have Kent <laughs> do something for me or something of the sort. Have you checked it out yet? Not yet, no. Um, but I will get back to you later on that. But uh, anyways, that's 
Kind of the, well, what what you? I want to say, um, I'm I'm not gonna show it because I'm not gonna stretch my cord all the way to my uh, DVD shelf here. But um, I did pick up um, the first what is it, thirteen episodes of the Ultraman anime DVD, and then I found someone on eBay who had the most recent final was it six episodes of the anime. So I got that. Now I've got the entire. Ultraman anime uh, saga. So I'm really stoked about that because anybody who listens to this knows how much of a stickler I am for physical media over streaming and, and that sort of thing. So I've got physical copies of that and I'm hoping uh, for us uh, to cover that entire series in a podcast well, at some point. Well, and, that, and then from I heard that they're going to be doing the final season, I think. Maybe next year or something. What? I thought this was. <sighs> well, I think I might have mentioned that to you here. Let's I thought see, these Ultraman. final six episodes were the final season. Let's see, Ultraman anime. Uh, all right. Some more research, people. Let's see here. Another podcast brought to you by research. Let's see. Yeah. So, it's, um, let me just. Read from the second paragraph here, I think. Uh, uh, Tomokai may know replaces Suzuki for the role. Second season was released on April 14th, 2022. A third and final season is set to be released in 2023. That just upsets me so much. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were done with... Okay, well, I, then I guess we won't I, cover the series until it's done done, maybe. Yeah, because <laughs> I... Because it's like, I could have sworn I remember mentioning that to you, that there's going to be a third and final season of that coming up. Oh, that makes me so irritated. <laughs> so, with that, we're going to be moving on from Super Robot Mach Baron in the Ultraman anime. And uh, speaking a little bit about uh, Ultraman, we got some... Uh, similarities uh like this one i've been wanting to get around uh get around the purchase seeing this one uh <laughs> mirror man i know i was i mentioned to kent that i was wanting to get this i think maybe a few or so years ago when i mentioned about it and then kim was like oh i got the i got yeah. the last one by the way i bought the last one <laughs> i was like damn you so i finally got around to obtaining this right away so that's Mirror Man. A few years. And then uh, on other Ultraman, I did uh, get, I want to kind of start with kind of the earliest one, uh, Ultraman X. I know I've seen this one uh, several years ago on, I think it was Crunchyroll when they uh, brought it out. So Ultraman X. So there's that. And then Ultraman Orb. Uh, the uh, series and movie along with the Ultraman X uh, series and movie. And then Ultraman Geed uh, series and movie uh, as well. And I was kind of hoping that uh, most of the uh, uh, vendors that uh, did or kind of sold movies and TV shows and all that, I thought they would have a little bit more variety in the uh, Ultraman area, but uh, fortunately, th these were kind of the only 
uh, three official ones from uh, Mill Creek Entertainment that they had available. So I was kind of hoping that they had a bit more. And then uh, kind of the last uh, movie and show thing is that finally got my hands on this one. <laughs> I saw myself in the reflection there. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think uh, from the other places that I've seen this, it was a bit too expensive. I think some of them were going for close to 250 bucks. I've and seen some go like, for a lot more than that. And I was like, I'm just going to hold off and wait and maybe just kind of see what other vendors at GFest was uh, offering this. And they were selling it for about 100 bucks less. <laughs> On this one, well, so. see, even retail, when I bought mine retail, because I pre-ordered mine, um, I think it was 150 160 bucks, mm-hmm. which was what it was going for retail. So that's basically what you paid for it was retail, actual retail, when it first was released, what, two years ago now, whenever that was? Two, three years ago. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, so finally, finally got my hands on this bad boy. There, so you can say you need I kind of have that cellophane and look at it. Yeah, so basically, I have, you know, the entire collection now, because <laughs> I know, I think one of the movies I did not have on hand was the Son of Godzilla one. <laughs> That's the Japanese stuff, though, mind you. That's not the yeah. English dub. But uh, with uh, this one here, uh, I've got two more. Uh, I know every year I kind of want to get some uh, new Ultraman uh, figurines, so decide upon the Shin Ultraman uh, Bandai figure here. It's really nice, not much of a pose anyways, just kind of what you see from the trailers where he just stands still like that. You want to know why he's looking like that? Because he saw his own movie. I have no hopes for this Ultraman movie because of those two guys, what they did with Shin Godzilla. But well, and then you got uh, Shin Kamen Rider coming up next year. So be prepared for a toy (laughs) that looks exactly like that, only in Kamen Rider. So that, and then last but not least, um, I know I mentioned to you that uh, the the Jira's figure sort of caught my eye on one of the vendors. Well, I didn't really decide on doing a, a Jiras figure uh, because this one sort of caught my eye a bit more. And it's uh, this one here. It's a, a translucent uh, Mechagodzilla 1974. It's a Bullmark uh, figuring. Basically, all clear where you get some uh, blue coloring, red, and maybe some of the other colors uh Looks like a bit of green there. But yeah, so that's why I went with. It was kind of a, a unique type of uh, figure uh, to kind of go along with my collection. So there's that. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, that's basically it, my entire haul for this year. Mainly shirts. <laughs> Nothing and wrong with less that. Fig- and less figures this time around. I think this is probably... Uh, the least amount of figures that I bought 
uh, from all the other conventions, and I think I'm quite happy with that. I came home with quite a few figures, but those were all for Lincoln. (laughs) By the way, what is it with the male Muto toys, regardless of whether it's Bandai or the Jack specific ones, like three or four inches? You should mention about this, yeah. Okay, so... We, I'm not going to name the vendor, but we were in the dealer's room, Lincoln and I were, and, you know, he had been wanting like a, a male Muto figure and stuff because he likes, you know, the 2014 MonsterVerse stuff and all that. And, uh, you know, he saw one of the bigger, you know, original Bandai male Muto toys. And I'm like, you know, sorry, bud, those are going for like over a hundred plus dollars. I said, I'm not spending that kind of money on something like that. Well, then we come across this tub where it said something like, what was it, $8 and up, I think is what it said. So I, so I thought, you know, maybe the highest price would be something like 20 bucks or something like that. I didn't think – I'm pretty upset with this vendor and how sort of misleading this advertisement was on their tub. So I said, go ahead and look through here, and, you know, if you see something, I'll get it for you. So I kind of walked like – three feet away from him. I was looking at some books this vendor had. And so he was like, Oh dad, look, I found it. He found this Jax, you know, the, uh, like three, four inch male Mudo that came with, you know, uh, break apart buildings. In fact, mm-hmm. I bought one back, you know, when the movie came out in 2014, bought it yeah, at Target. I think it was, it was like eight, nine bucks, something like that. Yeah. Same with me. I, so I got the I, same I, exact one. So, um, I said, sure, we'll get it. And I'm thinking maybe it's costing like 20, 25 bucks, which is still quite a bit. But I'm like, whatever, like, you know, we're at a convention, 20, 25 bucks, not a big deal. So told the gal, this is what we want. And so, you know, she puts it in her phone and I give her my credit card and she swipes it. And then she hands her phone to me for me to sign it. And I look at the top and I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, and I look at her, I said, are you kidding me? This is 50 bucks. And she goes, yeah. And I just shook my head <laughs> and I signed it. Cause I'm like, I'm getting this for my son. And I, I ribbed my son most of the day. I said, that's a $50 toy. And I kept wondering, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what is up with the male Mudo toys, regardless of who made them and what size? Why is it that they're so blasted expensive? But this vendor, $8 and up in this tub, there's a $50 toy in that tub. I would say a fifty a $50 toy. I would say maybe big. next time, you know, for vendors out there that may be watching this down the road or something i would say my suggestion is maybe say uh twenty dollars and under for the toys in the bin that would be it none of this crap of certain dollar amount and up i'm sorry i'm very pissed off at this vendor and this is a vendor i have purchased stuff from in the past i am not pleased with it i'm like 50 effing dollars for this thing that's what eight years old at this point i'm like you gotta be kidding me it just it's so stupid i mean first and foremost it was significantly false advertising you put a 50 dollar toy at least you priced it at 50 dollars in this eight dollar and up bin 
and the toy technically isn't even worth that. Yes, I know it's a convention. People are going to slightly overprice things because they understand people are coming here to buy stuff, and most people are willing to give into it. If I was looking to buy that for myself, I would have told the gal, hell no, I'm not buying it. But because it was my son, I was just like, all right, like – I'm willing to get it for you. This isn't worth it. I'm pretty pissed off about yeah. it. But, it's like... but but if they still do this, and I'm probably guessing that they will, I would say maybe next time, whenever we get around to going back there, whenever that is, I would maybe ask them first before buying it. Well, no, here's the thing. This vendor that I purchased from in the past, I have had correspondence with them in the past via email because I was asking them questions on availability of certain items and they were always very upfront with me. In fact, there was one year, six or seven years ago, I bought a Destroya figure from them. It was the newer one. I can't remember what year it was from, that band I made because I wanted it because it was cheaper. It was like a $25 Destroya. Well, they shipped off the items that I bought from them. And I got them, you know, like a few days later. And a note came with the Destroya. It said, we are unfortunately sold out of, again, I don't remember what year this Destroya was, like the 2000-something Destroya. But this one is several years older and is worth more, and we didn't charge you extra for it. But... I'm so disappointed. There's a lot to be disappointed about this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that, um, should we just move on to uh, just final final thoughts, yeah. final thoughts? So, why don't you why don't you go ahead? Since I've kind of uh, delved into my hall here. Uh, you know, GFest 27, again, like a lot of people said over the course of the weekend, it was good to be back, even though I still, interestingly enough, felt burnt out by it and the fact that it was in a new location while it provided some intrigue this year. Um, you know, it, it just – I had fun, but um, – I still was ho-hum about it, and I think part of it is just me. Like I said, maybe I'm just kind of burnt out from it, um, but just as I stated earlier, kind of with the artist alley and everything, more and more shenanigans have been kind of coming up in terms of rules and, and hypocritical um, enforcement of rules. Um higher up within the convention that I think has really and rightfully so irritated a lot of people and really has begun to question um, the you know whether or not the well-being of the convention and the attendees time at the convention is really a priority and that is something that is part of my frustration with the convention now at this point. Um, I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, it's just, it's kind of soured a little bit of my mood on it. Uh, but more than anything else, it's just the fact that there's not a whole lot of differentiation from convention to convention over the nine years we had been going. Um, the most fun I had at the convention was 
being with my son and seeing him experience it for the first time, um, being around him, even though he was bored during regular panels, unless he had some toys with him, I had more fun being around him and seeing him experience it uh, than I had really at the convention itself. So, um, you know, again, like I said, I, I'm taking a, a break from it for a while and hoping that an absence from the convention will help to over time get me more and more interested in wanting to go at whatever point in the future, however many years that may be. Uh, but I'm hoping, too, that maybe the convention itself will shake things up a little bit, too, and make things more interesting uh, as well. You know, again, like we said earlier, the dealer's room is kind of the, the centerpiece of this whole thing. If you didn't have the dealer's room, you probably would have half, if not even uh, – you know, less than that in terms of the number of people who would attend this convention. So, um, you know, if my son didn't go with us this year, I would be even more ho-hum on the convention this year. Um, again, it was nice talking to some people and, and kind of, you know, reacquainting ourselves with, with some old friends, at least in person this time, instead of through social media. Mm -hmm. But again, in terms of the actual convention in and of itself, there just isn't much to say. It's kind of, you know, if you, if you've been to it, uh, within the last five or so years, that's basically what it is, except at a new location. Costume Parade was wonderful. A lot more people involved this time than in 2019. I remember the one in 2019 was very short. Mm -hmm. um, this one lasted like 45 minutes or better. Uh, it was really good. Lots of great costumes there. A lot of people put a bunch of hard work in. A um, handful of spectacular models in the model room as well uh great artwork as well the only sad thing about those two rooms was that there weren't as many uh entrance uh within those rooms and again i'm wondering if the absence of artist alley had anything to do with that um but the it was same old and i hate to say that but at the same time i think certain things do need to be said because if you don't bring it up nothing will change at least the consideration of changing something won't even <laughs> come up you know mm -hmm. if you keep saying if you keep being you know a homer and just keep clapping your hands and all that nothing will change and i think it's okay and a good thing to be critical when necessary and i've reached a point where the convention just isn't what it used to be part of that is because we had been going consecutively for nine years and so the luster has worn off but again uh certain decisions in recent years have been made that i think have harmed the experience of the convention as well and um something needs to change on that level too um you know when and if that'll happen i don't know i'm hoping sooner rather than later because i i think the whole experience was was hurt a little bit this year and um um it saddens me because again i know a number of artists have come out publicly and said i'm not going back anymore you could never pay me a ton of money to go back there again and um it's sad and unfortunate, and they're just regular 
Joe Schmoes who just go to attend like us. And they've even said, I'm sitting out for quite a while um, for similar reasons. And, 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 and to everybody who did sit out this year, who were long timers like us, uh, to you, I say, you really didn't miss out on much except for maybe a better costume parade. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously a new location. The, yeah, but for some people, that's not you know as intriguing as it is for us. Uh, but um, you missed out on not much, and I that's sad. So um, you know you just have to kind of sit back and and wonder if you want to go next year or a couple of years down the road. So that's kind of up to you. But as far as me, anyways, I'm not going for a while, and. Um, uh, I'm hoping to go back at some point when I don't know. And um, um, again, it was good to be back, but all told, I had more fun just being with my son, experiencing something that both he and I enjoy, and just seeing him get all excited at experiencing his first convention. To him, this was all new and all special. And. I had more fun just watching him experience it than I did myself and just experiencing it for the ninth consecutive time. And so it was fine. And I just hope things will eventually change, hopefully sooner rather than later. And I know that uh, sort of every year when we've gone to conventions that we usually rank uh, the conventions from you know, best to worst, because I think uh, the best ones were obviously the very first one that we've gone to was uh, GFS 19, and then I think was a GFS 23, and then the worst was GFS 21. So out of the ones that we've gone to over the uh, was it the eight years now, where would you rank uh, 27 kind of uh, below average, above average, or Sort of kind of in that average range. It's smack dab in the middle. Um, I put it there simply because, again, just experiencing it with my son. If it was just you and me, like it had been in the past, this would be just one slot above 21. Mm. Um, because, again, like I said, for the umpteenth time, nothing new, same old, same old, uh, other than the hotel, which was nice hotel. But... Um, you know, just nothing new, and the fact that certain decisions were made that hurt the artists and have hurt as a result the convention itself, all of that was hovering over this convention this time, and you could feel it. And to me, that wasn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I would have put it if it was just you and me going. Otherwise, I put it in the middle. I think, you know, just experiencing my son's excitement moved it up several spots and mm. you know it sits in the middle there i mean it may technically move up quite a bit higher because again it's my son i like hanging out with him and and sharing this interest i have with him and the fact that he thankfully enjoys it as well like that's what makes it special but again just looking at it from the standpoint of the convention itself you know that's where i would put it mm. yeah I- for me, with uh, GFS 27, I would just thinking about it overall and 
you know, with you, with some of the decisions that the higher ups have made. And then also, I think there needs to be something that needs to be addressed uh, with the convention and try to make things a little bit more entertaining. Because, you know, as you said, that we've been going to this convention basically every year, uh, except for the last couple of years with obviously the pandemic uh, and such. But it just seems like as time has gone on, things have been stale, to say the least. Like nothing hasn't uh, really changed much, except for the hotel, the location of it. Um, yeah, there just needs to be something else there. And then, you, of course, you had the little controversy with, you know, the whole licensee artist alley sort of thing there with not really a whole lot of changes going on and then you got some decisions that could potentially hurt the convention in the long run or could uh you know come back to haunt them i guarantee you it's already hurt them to some degree whether or not it will in the long term remains to be seen and i guarantee you the way certain things are going other decisions will be made that are going to hurt it and it's like if these things aren't addressed or not approved i can't guarantee to say how long things are going to keep up the way they are going with the convention and um i mean besides the location being really nice and everything just it's still the same convention that it has been that we've been going to over the years and there needs to be some changes and then there needs to be a few things addressed with it so with me i'm kind of putting it just barely in the below average for me simply because of that but i'm still kind of having it in the average simply because of you know seeing lincoln being at his first convention uh, there whenever I had the chance to see both Kent and Lincoln at the same time. But other than that, there just needs to be things that need to be addressed, make things improve on things there instead of just being practically the same thing over and over again every every year. And it just kind of gets a bit tire, tiresome I mean, <laughs> that's really all I can say. And then maybe maybe next time, too, if we do decide to go back, we should probably get two separate rooms. Because <laughs> uh, with the, the beds and stuff, they were kind of full size. So I think I think you guys should have your own room and then, have, then me in a separate room. <laughs> I don't even want to get into that. I just, I didn't sleep well. <laughs> so... We should probably think about that for next time. But other than that, that's sort of my initial final thoughts on uh, GFest uh, 27 from uh, for 2022. Yeah, sorry to end it on a downer, but I mean, yeah, you know, again, that's that's what we think. And and again, I you know, it's not a travesty. It's just 
it's just the same thing. And on top of that, too, like I said, there just were certain decisions made, too, that a lot of people aren't happy about, and rightfully so. And, um, you know, we're not going to be cheerleaders for everything, you know, Kaiser related on here. I mean, anybody who's been listening to us long enough knows that there have been some movies and shows we've talked about <laughs> Ultra 7. Uh, that we, we are just, we're like, no, this just isn't good. And this year, sadly, while again, good to be back. Just was not still. It's just still sort of the same thing yeah. that we've gone to for every year. Yeah. So in the next couple of weeks, we'll be back to our regular schedule. Uh, Jason and I will discuss as far as what we're going to do moving forward here. But uh, with that, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you here in a couple of weeks with whatever it is we plan on doing. All right. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>